Do you ever wonder if your financial decisions are aligned with your values and goals? Money can be a murky topic, especially if you don't feel 100% competent or confident around money management. And considering most women between the ages of 30 and 60 are getting pulled in many different directions when it comes to money, it can be a topic that induces stress. And as I've shared recently on this podcast, I can relate to that feeling. That's why I've asked Allison Bishop to join me in this episode to inspire you to take charge of your finances, make informed decisions, and live with purpose. Allison is a financial coach in Portland with more than 25 years experience as a CPA. She started her financial coaching business eight years ago when she recognized a lack of resources to help people make wise financial decisions. She helps her clients to identify and prioritize their financial goals and then come up with a realistic plan to make progress towards those goals. She often helps her clients navigate complicated life transitions such as starting a family, approaching retirement, and divorce. In this episode of Women Taking the Lead, you'll discover why talking about money is essential, whether it's with your family or in professional settings. You'll understand the importance of being intentional with money, making decisions that match your priorities. We'll delve into how every financial choice impacts another, highlighting the necessity for strategic planning, and we'll debunk common misconceptions about financial literacy, retirement planning, and debt management. You'll learn why having a firm grasp of your finances today can lead to a more stable and fulfilling tomorrow. So stay tuned. If you are new to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, hello and welcome. I'm Jody Flynn, the CEO and founder of Women Taking the Lead, a leadership development company that works with individuals, organizations, and boards to close the performance gap by attracting, developing, and successfully promoting more women into senior levels of leadership. My goal for this podcast is to be a valuable resource for you and others in your organization to develop in your leadership. You'll find a blending of topical episodes, on-air coaching episodes, and case studies of organizations succeeding in their gender parity initiatives. If we are not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Jody Flynn, or you can search for Jody Flynn on the platform. I'm very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of your search results. Be sure to add a note to the invitation, letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Now, let's bring Allison on. Welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, Allison. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thrilled to have you again. So for those who are listening, Allison has been on the Women Taking the Lead podcast before. And in fact, we we both looked it up after the last time we talked. 
Her episode came out May 6th of 2019, and it was titled Allison Bishop on how insidious uncertainty can be. And at that time, Allison, you were relatively new in your business, still kind of figuring things out, testing the waters. But now we're like fast forward over four years later. So how are things going? Oh, they're going great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I had been in business a few years, but I didn't have a lot. I didn't know things about networking. I didn't have a ton of clients at that time. And I was definitely in the building my business mode of, you know, I was spending probably more time networking than I was meeting with clients yes. <laughs> so in that phase of, of a business owner's life. Um, so yeah, these days I'm doing, it's so funny to think back. I'm like, oh my gosh, my business is in some ways so similar. And in mm -hmm. some ways it's just so much more established. You know, at that yeah. time I probably was thinking, can I make it, you know, is this, is this going to work or in, in three years, you know, in a couple of years, am I going to go get a job? <laughs> and mm -hmm. now I'm like, Oh no, I am a real, I have a real business. It is. Uh, so yeah, I do. Thriving. Same, <laughs> I would describe it as thriving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do a lot of the same. I talk about the same issues. So mm -hmm. um, for people that come through my door, it's things like emergency savings. That's always something I talk about a lot. Like how much cash do we need? Why do we, why are we saving it? What are you allowed to use it for? Things like, of course, paying off debt, you know, high interest debt, like credit card debt, but student loans are coming back. Um, at the mm. time we're recording this, they're, you know, next month in October of 2023, all those federal student loan payments are coming back. So that's something I talk about a lot now. And just things like juggling your different priorities, right? So if you're a parent um, and you want to think about saving for college, but you also have, of course, your own retirement on the brain. So and, and some things I, I found, I talk about a lot of things like, it's so funny. I talk about heat pumps a lot. Because <laughs> electrics, you know, like, especially I, I was going to say we live in Maine. I live yes. in Maine. And so, yes. and many of my clients are in Maine and we have really high electric costs or, you know, utilities costs. And so it's, we talk about things like what is a good investment? And, and so heat pumps, I talk about things like, oh, my car is facing major repairs. Do I get rid of it or do I? or do I put the money in, you know? And so I talk through those kinds of like everyday financial decisions that all of us are dealing with. Yeah. Um, and I love it because it's such a variety of things, right? It's everything from like, I've inherited a couple million dollars and I want to be a good steward of it. And I want to be respectful of the person who, you know, either gifted it or I inherited it from, mm. um, to I'm deep in debt or I, or <laughs> I get this a lot. I'm, you know, some age, 40, 35, 40, 45, and I should be further along. Mm. Um, you know, I, like I turned around and suddenly I'm this age and I thought I was going to be in a different place financially. So a lot of the same issues as when we talked three years ago, but, or four years ago, I guess. Um, mm. But I would say the difference is now I still get a lot of individuals coming through my door, but at the same time, who's hiring me is different. Now there's a, uh, there's a trend toward employers instituting financial wellness programs and they pay for me to have these sort of meetings with their employees because, you know, when you have financially stressed employees, which I think every, pretty much every company does, you know, they're losing productivity. They're, you know, not able to bring their best selves to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just a nice benefit that they can provide to their employees for, you know, it doesn't cost the company that much compared to other benefits. And it, it really is a huge, um, for some employees, it's a huge benefit um, 
in terms of like take, lifting some of the weight off their shoulders and having someone to talk to about their finances. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm someone who's always described like when you have money anxieties, it is soul sucking. It is not just <laughs> energy sucking. Like it steals your joy, your energy, your motivation. Now, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I released the episode on poverty trauma and how that shows up in leadership. So given the new insights I've had around my experiences <laughs> and what I'm dealing with, it makes so much sense for me. But I think even people who, you know, didn't have childhood poverty trauma, like when you suddenly find yourself in a situation where you don't have money, it is it can be debilitating and in like impact, like some, for some people, it impacts like their identity and their mm. self-worth and that sort of thing. And the way I think of what you do, Allison, is you take those like almost like nebulous, murky topics that stress us out. And like we think about endlessly and you help like bring it down to earth, mm. like, like make, have it make sense, get, help people get their, their arms around it per se, or their mind wrapped around it. So, and then create a plan, like set yeah. priorities, create a plan. So it all feels more doable. Right. And, and a lot of it's baby steps. I'm like, if you take a few little steps now in 10 years, it's going to have a, an enormous effect or people think they're not, you know, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll, and they'll say, Oh, I didn't do anything since the last time we met. And then they list out the six things that they did. Well, I was going to say too, it's amazing what somebody can accomplish when they do take those small steps. Cause I've even seen friends get tens of thousands of dollars out of debt with mm. like a few actions initially, right? Maybe making some phone calls, making some plans, getting some clar clarity around the debt, but then a few consistent actions on top of that. Mm. And within like two years, they were oh, like yeah. debt-free and couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, agreed a hundred percent. It's, you just need a plan. Like you were saying, because sometimes people are like, oh, I have, let's say, I let's say I have credit card debt and it it's sort of just a fact of life. And like, oh, yeah, like I'll pay what they tell me to pay, but it's never going to go away. And then we run through it and run through the numbers. And it's it's not complicated, but it feels overwhelming for someone mm -hmm. for whom this is not their job. Um, and they, yeah, often it's like within three years, all this debt can go away. And if you, you, you were saying like, just do automatic transfers, like set up, you know, something you do take a few small steps in the beginning and then you just sort of monitor it. Mm -hmm. Over the next, and as long as everything's on track and you can keep up with it, um, you can make enormous progress and it, uh, it can be really surprising to people. I think that's the thing too, for people who don't understand money and how it works, they can, um, get very discouraged and almost oh, give yes. up trying. I've seen that before where people are like, well, why, why even try? Why even bother? And it's like, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, no, no, you got to keep trying. You've got to go. But that, but that is the benefit of talking to somebody who like knows the system. Cause mm, you've done this with yeah. so many clients, you know, the system, you know, what questions to be asking and who to talk to and that sort oh, of thing. Yeah. So. And a lot of the things I have done myself, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I talk to someone about, let's say a home equity line of credit, I can say in my experience, this is the benefits of it. And this is, you know, these are the drawbacks and, um, all the, like all the things in my own life, just as being a person who has, you know, let's say 25 years as an adult, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, and, and I think about money, you know, like these are obviously some people's just sort of 
go through life and just sort of react. And, you know, they need to buy a car. So they go out and they buy a car and they don't think too much about it. I think enormously about every financial decision. Um, but yeah, it, it's some like drawn from my own life. But then also, of course, I see, you know, dozens or hundreds or thousands of other people's um, decision making and budgets and and what is normal, like, you know, like because a lot of times we think our situation is everybody's situation. And it's things like I'm thinking people either who have a lot of credit card debt or a lot of student loan debt, like, oh, that's just the way life is. And they don't realize that not everybody is in that situation or vice mm -hmm. versa. Like people who had the had the the fortune of, let's say, coming out of college debt free and just never had student loan debt. They don't understand that student loan debt is a real problem for other people and they couldn't have made it through college without it. Right. So having that understanding, I am yeah. that to me like goes to like, well, as a leader, right. Or as a, as a compassionate coworker, understanding like what is going on with, for the people around you that not everybody has the same situation. Mm. And before we get even deeper, <laughs> before we get even deeper, Allison, I, I have to ask, cause you brought up like, you know, 25 years of adulting. So tell us about a little bit more about like, you and your personal life, what you have going on before we dive into the topic for today. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, um, well, I grew up in New York and I went to college in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And then um, my husband, well, we weren't married at the time. We moved to Maine. We, we picked it out on the Atlas. We said, we are not happy living here. And we opened up the Atlas and decided where to move. Um, and so I moved to Maine in 2000 one. And, um, at the time I was a CPA. Well, I still am a CPA. Um, so I was working for a firm doing, um, doing litigation consulting, which is such, sounds like such a jargony term. <laughs> sounds awful. Really? Yeah, I know it was actually very, it does sound awful, but it was really interesting. It was, um, we were expert accountants. And so mm -hmm. if you had a lawsuit and you needed an expert witness who was an accountant, that's what our firm did. So it was actually very interesting. Um, and I did some interesting things there. And so we, we moved to Maine and I just telecommuted, um, which was funny in 2001, there were not very many people telecommuting at mm -hmm. the time. Um, and then, so then we had, we started a family and I quit. I wanted to be a stay at home mom. Um, so we had four kids, um, so now my oldest is 18. He's in college. And then I have a sophomore, a daughter who's a sophomore in high school. And then I always say this, we had a boy and a girl. So we thought we'd go for three. <laughs> and I, now I have identical twin uh, daughters who are in eighth grade <laughs> and are a delight. Um, so that, yeah, we always thought we'd have three. And so having four was a big change. Now I'm so, so used to it. But at the time it was, it was, it was very, I think anyone if you know anyone who's twins, when they find out they're having twins, it is often um, like life sh shaking moment. Yeah. <laughs> the, the moment you find that out, that is not in the plan. <laughs> typically, <laughs> Especially when you've already had one and you oh. know what it takes to have and raise yeah. one. Yes. To then be like, there are going to be two of them. Oh, there's the same two. needs. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, that was a surprise. 
Um, and all, during this time, pr uh, professionally, I was a stay-at-home parent, but I also started getting back in and like dipping my toe in the water. And that's actually when I started doing taxes, like personal taxes. I hadn't, just for a local firm, I hadn't really been a tax accountant before that. I'd done other things. Um, and that's actually doing that, looking at people's taxes was I think where I realized, because before that I didn't have a sense as well as what other people's financial lives looked like, right? I didn't have any insight into anybody else's life. And in doing, um, in doing people's personal tax returns, I was seeing things that just kind of stood out to me as like, uh-huh, like <laughs> that seems strange. Um, or it would be things like somebody would have a lot of taxable income and then every year they would be borrowing from their retirement account to pay their taxes. Ouch. Um, every year. And when you were not, I guess not even borrowing, withdrawing. And so, and they were under, you know, the age at which it's, you can withdraw without a penalty. So, and they're of course in the highest tax bracket. So this is like, and every year it was happening. Makes no <laughs> so sense. things yeah. like that, that I was like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to that. It wasn't my place to give them any sort of, sort of advice about that. But I was sort of like, I want to talk to them or other things I was seeing that just didn't make sense to me. Like I would, like when you do someone's taxes, I don't, you don't have a full picture of their financial life. Like if I'm doing your taxes, I don't necessarily know what's in your 401k. It's just not, it's not something, unless you give me the statement, it's not something I see. But I would see a few funny things like somebody would just not have a lot of income, but then they would have a giant mortgage interest deduction. And I was sort of like, huh, like those two things, like that seems strange. Like, mm -hmm. How is that? How does that work? And it, they, again, it wasn't my place to ask those sort of questions. But I think that's really what prompted me to say. Um, I wealthy people have a ton of resources, right? Like they have they have financial advisors and they have tax accountants and they have a lot of places they can go to get really good advice um, and navigate their situations. But sort of what I could call regular people like we everything I talk about, you can read a book, you can listen to a podcast, there's there's resources out there, but it can be really difficult to navigate those and to also apply it to your own personal situation. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like the technical skills that I learned doing taxes, because so much of our personal financial planning is surprisingly tax related. It's, it's everything from like saving for for retirement, right? That's like you get tax benefits. And um, understanding things like a Roth and a traditional IRA or 401k and saving for college. Many people do it in a 529 plan. Um, even HSA, which is a health savings account uh, that you can get through your employer. Um, all of those things are tax related. And so understanding that um, has really helped me to it just advise other people on, you know, like how, what are the what are the consequences for different making different decisions? Yeah. And I love how you got to that place of like, I can help you. I can, <laughs> I can make a difference in people's lives. And, and I know for sure that you do. And I've talked to people who've worked with you and have just felt like so much calmer and at ease <laughs> with money, knowing that you're there and helping them, you know, understand what they're what's going on, which brings us to the topic for today, because I wanted you to come on and talk about, like, why is this such an important topic? Yeah, because our finances are so overwhelming for most people. Some people love it, right? And they have spreadsheets and with multiple tabs, but most people find this really overwhelming and 
nobody, for most of us, we are not taught well how to manage money um, by our families. So, I mean, I feel like I got a good financial education, although my parents didn't give me explicit lessons about money. It was more, I observed them, be, you know, being careful with their money and thinking about it. I observed my dad. It was like spreadsheets before there were spreadsheets. It was like a paper spreadsheet where he would yeah. track the bills. Yeah. Um, and I knew they were very conscious of their money, but I never, there was always a sense of security, you know, like you were talking about, um, poverty trauma. And I feel like we didn't have that. And I think I gleaned smart lessons from my parents, but none of it was explicit, but many people are not fortunate to grow up in that kind of environment. And mm -hmm. so, um, and then there's some, maybe some financial literacy in schools, but of course there, you know, there's never going to be enough in the schools. <laughs> the schools cannot be responsible for every single thing in our lives. Um, so I know there's kind of a push for more financial literacy, which is fantastic. Um, but so then socially we grow up and you might observe what other people are doing around you, but uh, very rarely do we have the sort of relationship that we are going to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even with my siblings, we don't really talk specifics. And I talk about, I try to destigmatize talking about money, um, mm -hmm. but also be conscious that other people might have discomfort around it. <laughs> yes. So um, it's one of those taboo topics, although not right. It is and it's not. I know I'm in certain groups, especially being a business owner. And I, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of specifically this one group I'm in for people who are public speakers. And the group has decided on full transparency around what is your speaker fee? What did you ask for? And what did you get? Right? Mm -hmm. What did they come back? How did you negotiate it? And it's so helpful. That it is, is so helpful. <laughs> that is useful information, information, right? Because if we don't know, then we're like flying blind. And especially yeah. as women, probably not asking for our true value, because we tend to undervalue ourselves. So we lower the sticker price, you know, and so just as a business owner, I, I know how important it is to be fully transparent. Am I always comfortable with it? No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important, you know, yeah. to talk about this and in what you're saying, like, yeah, in our, our society, our culture, we don't often speak openly about money. I don't know many families where there are explicit lessons, but it's interesting how people pick up on their parents' philosophy around mm. money by different comments that are made when money is being spent or purchases are being considered. I definitely and gleaned the money stories my parents had and took on some of them, but could also in retrospect see how like, oh, I don't agree with that. Yeah money story or I do that's yeah there thing. Are, it's interesting because if it, for a household let's say that has a lot of debt or it's feast or famine right if money comes in we spend it immediately we buy the toys and we go out we live large um sometimes that gets passed on just as is you know so the next generation lives a very similar way and then sometimes somebody will stop and say no I hated the way I grew up and it was very uncomfortable and unsettling for me and so I don't want that for myself or for my children. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's interesting how people react. Um, yes, I would say my my children are ridiculously financially literate. And I don't <laughs> think I do explicit lessons. It, but of course, 
I talk about money a lot and I talk through, I, things like in the grocery store, like, mm-hmm. they don't really come with me anymore. They're teenagers. So, but, but I, or in, in, if I'm in a store, I will talk through my decision out loud that oh, normally I would have in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will talk it out loud so that my children can hear why, what decision I'm making, what am I weighing mm-hmm. and wh- why, you know, why did I end up making that? And something, right. something so tiny sometimes. I remember we were in the grocery store and I used to buy seltzer and I would buy the bottles, um, like the, not the giant bottles, but the individual bottles, because I assumed they were cheaper than the cans because they were larger. Mm-hmm. And then I looked on this, on the label, the shelf label, where it says, you know, the per, per unit cost. And I realized the cans were cheaper. And like, I just talked about that out loud in front of them. And um, I think that's a lesson, even if it's, you know, it's just like, we pay attention, we pay yeah. attention to where our money is going. And then you can make decisions as you are gathering more information. I doubt that any of them remember that. Right. <laughs> but it's, I remember thinking, yeah, like that's, it's a money lesson, even though it doesn't really feel like it. I think it's important. I And, and I love the thinking through the decision out loud and considering all the factors. I find that doing that with my partner, Eric, too, where mm-hmm. I will come back from the store and be like, I bought this because of this reason. I didn't buy this because of this reason, partly <laughs> because I want him to know how I make buying decisions, right. that sort of thing, you know, but it's also helpful for me and it validates like, okay, like I'm either being like, cause sometimes as I'm talking it through with him, I'm like, I realize as I, I'm saying this, this is completely ridiculous. <laughs> so sometimes saying it out loud is also helpful. Like, is it important? You know, I yeah. think, I think there's a lot of value in that. So, so one, number one, what I'm hearing you say is it's just important to talk about it. Oh yes. Number one, it's just like, let's talk about it, about money and, and, also talk about the things like the trade-offs, right? Because everything in our financial life affects everything else. Because if I spend $1 here, I cannot spend that same dollar somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so um, looking at our each of our own lives and then under just getting our arms around it and like understanding what do we have going on in our life and then where have we been choosing to spend our money? Um, and then making really intentional choices about that. I was actually thinking about that. I was like, if I could distill what I want to say to people in one sentence, it was it would be be intentional with your money. Mm. Um, and so the what I'm going to talk about are just the tools that you can use to um, make decisions ahead of time, or at least in the moment when you have to make a decision, you feel like you are well equipped to make that decision because you're not making it in a vacuum, you know? So if, if let's say you have, uh, you know, a friend who says, Oh, I'm getting married in California next month. Can you come? You can make that decision intelligently because you have a sense of your fine. How does that fit into your Mm -hmm. finances as a whole? And you're not just like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You are just making thoughtful and intentional decisions. Mental fitness is your capacity to respond to life's challenges with a positive rather than a negative mindset. What diminishes your mental fitness is internal saboteurs. Saboteurs are the voices in your head that generate negative emotions in the way you handle life's everyday challenges. 
They represent automated patterns in your mind for how to think, feel, and respond. They cause all of your stress, anxiety, self-doubt, frustration, restlessness, and unhappiness. There are 10 different saboteurs, but not everyone is impacted by the same ones. There's a combination of two to four saboteurs that are likely more familiar to you. Are you curious to know which saboteurs are impacting your performance, wellness, and relationships, and how they do so? To take the saboteur assessment, go to positiveintelligence.com forward slash saboteurs. You can also find the link in the episode description right in your podcast app. It's hyperlinked, so you can click right on it. You can also reach out to me afterwards for an insight session if you'd like to dive deeper into your results. So again, to take the saboteur assessment, go to positiveintelligence.com forward slash saboteurs and find out exactly what you need to do to overcome your saboteurs. Now I am that person who has this spreadsheet with multiple tabs and that sort of thing, because I can see what the budget looks like months out. Now it's, it's a living, breathing document and it changes, but I have an idea, you know? So when I am talking to my partner, like he'll often come to me and be like, can we do this? Cause he knows I'm, I'm the spreadsheet queen. (laughs) You know, he's not looking for permission. He's just looking for what, what is our reality? And, you know, I'll be able to say, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of last spring, I was like, well, keep in mind, Charlie's graduating, and then he's going to Spain, and then he's going to the festival, and then we're traveling to Maine, and then we've got this, and then you've got a golf trip, and then I'm going to be traveling. And, you know, so it's like, yeah, we can do this but it's going to make everything else a little tighter and a little Mm -hmm. more restrictive. So for me, when I hear you say that, it's also being very conscious about like, can, can one, can we do this? And even if we can, what is that going to look like? Like my mom, she said something to my cousins recently where she was just like, oh, like Jody can't afford this. And I was just like, because she's my mom and she's older. And for those of you who have moms that are older, you know, sometimes they just blurt things out. And so, (laughs) so I'm looking at my cousins who are all around us. And I was like, I can afford it. I go, however, I go, if I buy this, I will have to shift the priorities. And there are other things that are more important to me than this. So I've decided not to spend my money on this. And they all nodded, right? Right. So there's a difference between like, I can't afford that and it's not a priority to me. Oh, 100%. And actually, yeah, that even goes back to kids. Like, I don't ever say to my kids, we can't afford that. Because there's in in reality, there's not that many. I mean, yes, like like if it's real estate, maybe I can't afford it. Yes. If it's anything that we're talking about buying, in reality, I probably could afford most of what it is they're talking about. It is more about is is that what we're choosing to spend our money on? Right. Because it'll be a trade-off. Something will yeah. something else will have to go. Right. Exactly. Like if if you're choosing to spend your money on this, then that means there's other things that we have to give up. Um, but yeah, as a business owner, I imagine you were saying that you you kind of project ahead. It's harder as a business, you know, if you're a W2 employee, you have a pretty, you know what your paycheck is. You know, obviously yeah. there are people whose paychecks may vary for a variety of reasons. Um, but it's easier to plan. Um, yeah. And so for, for self-employed people, it, 
it can be more difficult to project out into the future. So I think you need to be yeah. more acutely aware of what's going to be happening and then how does that fit in? Yeah, I have a bit of a hybrid situation where I do have some retainer clients who pay me mm -hmm. on a monthly or a quarterly basis to have a certain amount of my time and attention and that sort of thing, which is which is great. However, you know, but like a full time job, it could end <laughs> like right. at, like at any minute. But that does, you know, for a, a long stretch, you know, give me some stability. But then the rest of it is like up and down and up and down. And like when there is a windfall, it's like, OK, that goes into savings because mm. there might be some months where it there's a long stretch of like nothing new coming in. And so I need to plan and prepare for that as well. It used to freak me out. I've gotten a lot better with it because <laughs> I plan and I prepare and now I know it can happen. Yeah, for sure. So what do you, what are the typical things that you see out there in terms of money and how people are handling their money? What are, what are the, some of the, and we talked a little bit about it before, but I didn't know if you had any examples and I'm thinking like, you know, for, for this audience, the range of like, you know, people who are like 35 to 55, like what are the, what are the common concerns and things that they're, they're dealing with? Yeah. I would say for that age range, it, it's, <laughs> There's suddenly real adult. Like it feels like for a lot of your 20s, like you're not a real adult, or at yeah. least for me, I should not speak to for other people, but for me, it felt like that. And then I think for many people, and obviously it's different, you know, if you have children, if you don't, um, but things start getting real. Um, you know, if you do have children, suddenly that's very expensive, whether it's daycare or somebody has stepped out of the workforce to take care of them, whatever the situation is. Um, but things you know, suddenly many people have houses and you just have more cars, <laughs> you have more people in the house. So you have more cars and you have more things, but also for parents, as their children get older, of course, like college is a giant one of how, first of all, like, when do I start saving? How much do I save? I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and then for everybody, retirement starts getting closer. So I would say usually like maybe late forties, people really start thinking, seeing it as a more immediate, you know, I think for most of our 20s and 30s, it's so far away. It doesn't <laughs> even feel like it's ever going to happen to us. And then we get older and suddenly we're like moving up at the company <laughs> and suddenly we're like not that many people older than us. Um, or you see, you know, I think all of us have friends of slightly different ages. So my husband's mm -hmm. 50, he's a little older than 50 and he has friends absolutely who are retired. Mm -hmm. um, and, or you have, you know, friends maybe in like, I'm thinking like teachers or military or something where they tend to have slightly early retirement and you're starting to see people actually retire. And suddenly it's like, Oh, I need to start thinking if this is not something I've made a priority, it's something I need to think about now. So how do I, I mean, the good thing is at this point in our lives, we are earning more, you know, than when we did when, when we were 25. So often we're kind of in peak earning years and, and have the opportunity to save more. Mm -hmm. um, but of course for everyone, that's different. I mean, I have four college tuitions coming up, right. <laughs> so I have, but that was a big, that was a big financial decision. Of course. I mean, you can mm -hmm. only imagine how many hours I spent researching different and, co and college is very complicated. You know, it's, it's not like, here's the sticker price. You pay the sticker price. Like this is what it costs. Take it or leave it. It's very complicated. There are so many things that go into it, mm -hmm. um, that I feel like I became a little mini expert in college. Um, 
for for this first one that I have going. So yes, and that that has been my experience. Like even even for people who don't have kids, they have other things, right? Mm-hmm. We fill our lives, like oh, yeah. you know, like children will fill your life. So I find like people <laughs> with children don't usually have to add a lot more. There are some people who have bandwidth and passions and stuff like that, so they they may load up a, a few more things on top of kids, but even the people I know who don't have children, like they are very involved in a lot of things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if they do have money, they may not be paying for college, but they are granting money and donating. And yeah, or sometimes the other family members, it doesn't setting up accounts. Yeah, it can be. I mean, first of all, some some are just very generous aunts and uncles. And so they may like help to fund college. But even if we're not talking about kids, elderly parents um, are often a real source of concern. Um, for people. And it's sometimes it's something you don't even realize what sort of financial situation your parents are in. Um, and cause it might be something they've been, I, I don't want to say hiding from you, but not, you know, of that generation, they talk about money less than we do. So a lot of times they don't want to talk about it. They don't. And it can be very sensitive to talk about because it might come across as if you are inquiring about your parents' fi- financial situation, it might come across as like, you are looking for an inheritance and that's not what it is at all. It's that you want to make sure that they are stable and taken care of and that they can manage their um, finances. Um, Right. So, and those are oftentimes things people don't want to deal with or or face head on. So it can be a struggle. (laughs) Nobody wants to talk about that. And um, so, yeah, thinking other or taking care of sometimes, you know, people have disabled siblings or, you know, like maybe the parents have been taking care of them, but the parents aren't going to be there forever. So of course we all have different family dynamics um, and, and that bring with them different levels of financial responsibility. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're just managing someone's money for, for them or, um, and then other times you are actually providing them with financial resources. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at you and just appreciating the work that you do more and more <laughs> as we're talking about this. Like, how nice is it to have someone to go to and be like, Allison, bleh, here's everything. Where do we even begin? Yeah, I want them to walk away engaged and excited to learn more about their finances and to feel like they there are steps they can take you know, immediate steps they can take by just sort of gathering information, understanding what their financial situation is. And then there's always low hanging fruit, right? Whether it's I, you know, like, oh, we have a little extra, we could cut back here and I can add money to my retirement. Or I just need a better hand. Like I know I have a lot of debts and I've never looked at them on one page before, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of taking, I'm going to take my head out of the sand and really take a hard look on what's what's going on. So sort of just inspiring them to get engaged with their money and figure out what's happening. And then are there easy things that they can do right now to make the path ahead easier? Yeah. That feeling of like, this is doable. <laughs> like oh, I can, yeah. I can do this and I, I know what to do. And this is doable that, that I always come back to two words often when I'm writing about the experiences that you can get through coaching, be it financial coaching or leadership coaching is that feeling of confidence, right? I under, mm-hmm. I know, and I understand, and I have the ability and confidence, right? I feel good about my chances of getting a good outcome here, like, or confidence in terms of, I know I have within myself, 
mm-hmm. the ability to get through this. You know, even if I don't know what's coming, like I feel confident in my ability to adapt, navigate and and move forward. So that's what I'm hearing you say when you list all of those amazing things. Where can people find you yes. virtually? Mm-hmm. Uh, my website is the best place. And so it's just um, alisonbishop.com, which is A-L-L-I-S-O-N bishop.com. Um, and yeah, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I will give Jody knows Jody and yes. I are connected. Of I know where on you LinkedIn, are. <laughs> so uh, we will put my that information in the um, show notes. Yep. So for those of you listening, you'll be able to see it in the show notes that are on the website. And also, if you're listening through an app on a device, it's right in the podcast description. So just scroll down through the description. All of those links will be there. And Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us once again. We are all better for having met you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Always so much fun. What was your biggest takeaway from this money conversation with Allison? Head over to LinkedIn to join in on the conversation there and share your thoughts. As always, I hope this was of value to you and here's to your success.